You're listening to audio from the 2022 Liturgy Collective Conference, a gathering for the promotion of rest, connection, and growth. For more information on upcoming conferences, visit liturgycollective.com. I want to take you on a little bit of a journey here, a little bit of a story. So, so hang with me. Uh, this should all tie together by the time we, we get to the end of this. Um, I want this to be encouragement to your souls. And part of that is I want to give you a bigger picture and uh, maybe even a, a different type of foundation for understanding who you are and what you do within the context of serving in the local church, in the context of serving in music. And so I'm going to get really specific about some things, but it also has this cosmic element to it as well. We, we, we've been talking again and again from, uh, from Matthew 11. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I think there's an important aspect there of the yoke, uh, of the idea that rest comes in order. And that there's an ordering aspect of taking the yoke, Christ's yoke upon us, uh, that, that centers us in a particular direction, centers us with a, a particular purpose, uh, and that there is that, uh, those boundaries which then give the freedom and the rest to be who God has called us to be. Through order and submission comes aspects of rest. So with regards to how music forms rest, I want to talk about three different things. One is what is sound, what is harmony, and then what is music for? So that's our, our three main ports there. One of the things I want to talk about sound is we are so used to hearing things, right? We hear things all the time that I think we forget what a miraculous thing sound is. If you'll excuse the, uh, the, the, uh, the amplification for a moment, my vocal cords are vibrating as I speak. That creates a pressure wave that causes the compression of air and the rarefaction of air that moves through the medium of air to your ears where you receive that. It moves through the process in which it eventually, you know, you've got your eardrum vibrating, which causes little, uh, the, causes uh, fluid to vibrate. These little hairs move. Electronic signals are sent to your brain and you recognize that as my voice that is distinctive from every other voice. You recognize that as a particular sound that has particular timbre and color. Think about that with regards to music. When you hear multiple instruments playing at the same time, you can distinguish the different instruments. You can distinguish uh, an oboe from from a flute, from a guitar, from a piano. That's amazing. That is amazing the way that that works. I mean, I, I, that... You know, we could just stop there for a moment and, you know, have 30 minutes of silence on that. But there's, that is a miraculous, spectacular thing that we can even hear and distinguish that. The way that sound moves as a pressure wave, uh, it means it has a physicality to it. You know, it causes aspects of, of sympathetic vibration. You, you know that uh, when you go 35 miles in your car, that back fender rattles, right? You know, you've hit that sympathetic resonance aspect of where, where that's going to rattle, Right. You all know about you know a singer being able to break a glass. You know you you, you tap into the uh, the resonance of the glass and you cause that to break. But there's a physicality that happens with that. That that, uh, that there are you know there is a there's a length of of uh, sound wave that moves. Our typical hearing when you're young, 
um, is between <laughs> 20 hertz and, and 20,000 hertz. So a, a 20 hertz sound wave, just one cycle of it at sea level at 20 degrees Celsius, um, uh, speed of sound, uh, is 17.2 meters long. And think about that for a moment. That's just one cycle of that sound. That's what's moving. And that's what determines, for instance, that the physicality of, you know, an organ pipe has to be a certain size to create a certain pitch. You know that from other instruments. You know, you're lengthening and shortening a string on a guitar to get different frequencies. But with regards to the physicality, that, that's actually that, that cycle of sound is moving as a pressure wave through the medium of air into your ear, and you register that as a particular frequency with particular characteristics of what that sound is. That's remarkable, the way that the Lord has made our ears to work, the way that we can add sounds together, the way that the additive quality of sound waves creates new frequencies, uh, creates new, uh, new sound waves, that we hear things differently um, with, the, with the added aspect of overtones, etc. Sound literally creates order. There are all sorts of, of studies and so forth in which you can see how different frequencies cause you know, sand to vibrate in particular ways. Or, and and uh, um, those of you who play, especially instruments that are made of wood, uh, you know probably the phenomena of your instrument waking up. Right? There's a good violinist can make a violin sound better. Not just because they play better, but by their playing better, it actually changes the molecular alignment and structure and order of the instrument itself. There's a proclivity there that, in, that the sound itself is, is working to establish elements of order. There's a difference between noise and sound in music. You can see that on, uh, on various graphs. There's a difference between how you can even recognize that from a, um, uh, from a visual perspective. Um, there's harmony that is inherent in the physics of acoustics. Um, when, when you pluck a string, not only does it create the fundamental sound, you know, all of you have shaded overtones at one point or another, that string itself also then vibrates at twice and three times and four times and five times and six times the, uh, the, the frequency of the fundamental. And with that comes the octave, comes the fifth, uh, comes the octave above that. You've got those tones inherent within the, the original fundamental tone itself. Every frequency has distinctive harmonics, overtones that come with it. So much so that our brains will supply the fundamental of a tone even if the fundamental is not being present, if the harmonics of that fundamental is present. That's how little speakers work. Those of you who are old, who are old enough to know that you had to spend a lot of money for your you know, this dates it right here. Hi-fi system, right? You know, you had to have the big speakers for the, to get the bass sound. How can you get that rich bass sound with this little, you know, Bluetooth speaker? Because your brain is supplying the notes that aren't there. Because each of those tones has fundamental qualities that we recognize and supply. Now, the part of the beauty of that as well is that as you layer those things together, it creates um, the, the tones that, that, are, that resonate that aren't there. So with the overtones as they layer, which is the beautiful aspect of singing together, it's not just that you know, someone is singing a tenor part and someone is singing an alto part, as beautiful as that is, that as the body of Christ, we all bring these gifts together and the, the sum is greater than the, I always get this wrong, 
The sum is greater than the uh, uh, parts, yes. Uh, it's not just that, and I can't even say that. It's not just that, <laughs> but the fact that the combination of those, of, of, of singing together, is creating and emphasizing notes that aren't even being sung, but are in the air and a part of who we are together as we sing together, as we make music together, as we live in harmony with one another, as we speak and teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's a, it's a beautiful phenomenon than what happens as the people of God come together and sing. Those notes reinforce one another. And that leads us to this idea of, of how this order uh, comes to be in our next point of harmony. Uh, quoting here from Athanasius, just as one hears from afar a lyre made up of many different strings and wonders at their harmonious symphony, that not only the low one produces a sound, not only the high one and not only the middle one, but all sound together in balanced tension. And one concludes from all this that the lyre neither operates by itself nor is played by many, but rather that there is one musician who by his art blends the sound of each string into a harmonious symphony. Even though one fails to see him, so too, since there is an entirely harmonious order in the world as a whole, without things being at odds with those below and those below with those above, but one completed order of all, it follows that we know there is one leader and king of all creation, not many who illuminates and moves everything with his own light. So what then is the idea of harmony? And I... I think of this in a more global sense. Yes, we talk about harmony with regards to music. You know, the word itself means to fit together. Um, I think too often we've bought into the Greek idea of moderation or balance. Um, harmony is holding things in tension. Let me give you a theological example. You don't want to diminish the justice of God to make it balance with the mercy of God. You don't want to change the mercy of God to have it balanced with justice. He is wholly just and wholly merciful. How do those resolve? How, does that be, how is that held in tension? How are those harmonized? What does it mean to bring those into concord with one another? That's the issue of harmony. Uh, Boethius, uh, in his book on music, talks about the fact that there are three types of music. There's the cosmic music, uh, but there's the ethical quality of music, instru uh, playing instruments, this music that's, that's heard, but also the individual aspect of the soul. Um, that All of those, the, the broad category of what we think in terms of harmony is not just um, with regards to music, but much more far-reaching. I mean, we still use, I mean, how many times have you, know, you, you said things like, well, I really resonate with that idea. That's a musical term. You know, your car is not working right, you need to get a tune-up. You know, these, these musical ideas, the harmony that's inherent in the way that God has created the universe, this, the cosmic structure, um, again and again is reinforced by these ideas of harmony on these multiple layers, best expressed through music. But because of that, too, um, well, music, music even exists in tension. You know, you've stretched a string, right, to, make it, to, to be able to pluck it. You know, you're, you're agitating air in a pipe. You're hitting something, right? You're, you're causing a disturbance in the air such that there can be sound. And so the very tension of that creates something that is melodious, something that is, har uh, that is harmonious, something that brings concord. Sin brings discord. It's a different song. 
You know, we see in the Garden of Eden that there's a harmoniousness. There's a relationship with God. There's a relationship with one another. There's a relationship with nature that all is shattered by the fall that is not restored until the shalom, the peace of the blood of the cross. So there's this beautiful aspect of the theology of harmony, of what it means to move from what is, has been destroyed through discard, discord into concord, into harmoniousness, with the idea, too, of shalom, of the orderness, of the rightness of things, the way things were meant to be. That's part of that, that orderedness, that harmoniousness, that peace, that shalom, then elevates what we're talking about, not just to music, but what it means to live into a life that is harmonious, to be the type of person who can then create harmony and bring concord. Discord means, you know, disagreement, be it variance, dissension, or disproportionate, which, you know, the whole, the whole foundation of music is the proportion between sounds. You know, whether that's uh, vertical or horizontal, there's the proportion of, of sounds together. The rightness of things, the fullness of things, then leads us to the idea then of what is, what is music for? Uh, Romans 20, God's invisible attributes, uh, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. I think we truncate that idea by saying things like, you know, the sea is majestic and God is majestic. You know, we, we, we think in terms of, of, of uh, general attributes or adjectives. Um, I think we can think much on um, a different level with that, along the lines that God has spoken the world into being. Uh, we can understand the world that he has created through the art of, of numbers, the language of numbers. Um, but what does that mean? What, what is, is there an inherent aspect of, of what God is showing us through his, through his creation? Uh, yes, we, we hold firmly to, um, to the special revelation of, of the word. But I think we also see in like Psalm 19. I, mean, I think part of the beauty of Psalm 19 is that the heavens declare the glory of God. And it, and it, and it says, you know, it speaks but without words. And the second half of the psalm then talks about the glories and the beauty of the law and the precepts. Um, it's the combination of both of those, but not just as, a, as an or, but I think as an and. Um, that the ordering is also, also part of how then creation speaks who God is. We see this throughout the history of the church as well. Clement of Rome, in his letter to the Corinthians, uh, speaks of God as the master craftsman who ordered all of creation, and he uses the language of liturgy and of boundaries and order and harmony. You know, he talks about the heavens rolled in his diocese, obey him in peace, and that the sun, moon, and stars, according to his direction, unroll in harmony and the courses assigned them. Clement further talks of the role of the earth and the seas and the seasons that, quote, yield to one another in peace. Even, quote, the winds from their dwellings fulfill their liturgies in their proper time, though blind. It concludes with, the great craftsman and master of all these things has ordered them to exist in peace and harmony. He works all things beautifully, but especially to us who are refugees, hiding in his compassion through our Lord Jesus Christ. The medievals would look at music and the making of music as, as a twofold activity. You know, one, it was to reflect the created order. And two, it was to sustain the created order. That either you were creating harmony or you were creating discord. 
And the role of musician was to not just reflect that, but then to also sustain that by the practice of music, by the practice of having others sing and participate and make music, by the harmoniousness that comes from that. It's a part of taking dominion over sound and time. I think we've lost a bit of, of the idea then of what, what our role is. I mean, I think yeah, artist is part of that, um, but the, the word that would have been used more in that time would be artifacts, uh, which has a greater sense of being a craftsman, of being the master of an art, uh, of being an expert. Um, that there's a far different, I think, biblical role of being a craftsman of the materials that God has given versus being someone who is always trying to be original. When you're trying to be original or innovative, you're dismissing what has happened in the past in order to be different, as opposed to building upon uh, what has gone before and just seeing yourself as part of a great tradition, part of the work of the Spirit through the ages, through the church over time and that you are entering into a story that is far older than you are um, and far greater than you are. Um, and it's not about carving your, 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 um, your niche or niche uh, in that role, in that, but, but who, what does it mean to be faithful to that narrative that's already at play? Um, as I said, the role was to resolve discord. And I think... Music gets burdened too much with being beautiful, with carrying the weight of beauty. We don't know what to do with this. And so we talk about you know, the various aspects of truth and goodness, and music is beautiful. It is beautiful, but so is oratory. So is poetry. Um, so is painting. You know, there's there's, um, there's a, a too much of a weight given on that specific aspect. And because of that, we neglect the aspects of music, such as its truthfulness or its goodness, the ethical qualities of what music has, because we've, we don't have those same kind of categories anymore, because we don't think about it in that way. It is beautiful, but it's much more than that. It's beautiful, especially when it's true and it's good. And I'm not talking about lyrics. I mean, I think, you know, for those of you who um, over time have, you know, maybe adopted ideas um, of, of categorization from Francis Schaeffer, which is very helpful in terms of form and content. I think so often that becomes truncated also to think in terms of that, um, that the content is the lyrics and music is the form. Whereas the lyrics also have form and content. The music also has form and content. And the marriage of the two of those together also have form and content. And so it becomes, it becomes a vehicle for a text as opposed to understanding music and the fullness and the wholeness of what it is and what it does. That it is to bring order. It does align our hearts. It's one of the things, especially in the context of the slow miracle of, a, of, this, of this Lord's Day worship, that forms us week by week by week, that orders our hearts that helps our disordered loves, that moves us more and more into who God has called us to be, not just as musicians, but as his people together. The, there is a discord, a discord of the heart. We see this in, in Scripture with regards to, with my whole heart I seek you, uh, with an undivided heart. I mean, I think that's, the, that's a harmoniousness. You cannot bring people to a peace of harmony, though, if you are at discord within yourself. And so the harmony starts in your own heart, 
in your own relationship with Christ, in the rest from which we then go out and do the things that which he's called us to do. Uh, it's the formation through worship and song from, time to, uh, from, from week to week, that additive quality that the saints together are creating something beyond what would happen uh, alone, um, which means that our role and our purpose has a much greater degree of responsibility and weight and glory than we often give it. And to be able to rest in that, and, and not for the sake of, of you know, I'm, I'm actually better than people think I am in terms of, of what the role is in terms of the, con- of the congregation, but to recognize that to serve as an artist within the church, to serve to bring the people of God together in harmony before the throne, to bring concord where there is discord, to resolve discord in the beautiful harmony of the gospel as it is sung, as it is spoken, as it enters our heart, and as it orders our love, is a beautiful responsibility and the glorious work to which we've been called. Thank you.